0: Welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. The show must go on. That's the name of this episode, not <laughs> not just saying that about our show. But thanks as always for uh, being here with me for, uh, I think this will be a great episode. It's about, uh, well, the show must go on. And we were kind of thinking that, I think this past week we played the entire Romeo and Juliet ballet with dancers and video and everything and the concert stretch to three hours and right before some of those performances i was yeah almost wondering you know must must i go on um, and i love the music and i know you do too that's one of your favorite pieces but
1: yeah the big... music is so good that i almost i've almost already forgotten how, how long it felt it's like childbirth
0: oh yeah i guess i i wouldn't know but i've heard yeah today this being the first day that we didn't play the Prokofiev. I just had all the tunes running through my head all day. So, I guess that's proof of how great the music is. Although, do you, I mean, I guess I get bad music stuck in my head, too. Yeah. But this is undoubtedly great.
1: Yeah, well, right now I have wheels on the bus stuck in my head, so I'm <clears throat> not a
0: good person to ask. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an effective tune, also. Looking at this week coming up, we've got a bit of a conundrum. I mean, not that we have to solve it, but um oh it's been solved that's right it just was solved today but rehearsals start the day after tomorrow and uh up until today we had no conductor and no real program for the coming week and that's because the conductor canceled so uh daniel harding who we've spoken about on this podcast before actually uh i hope you're doing well i heard there was some sickness or sickness or injury injury okay Well, we definitely wish him the best, but yeah, it was a pretty short notice change of plans for the orchestra. And, um, usually these things get solved, you know, instantaneously. It's like, as soon as someone canceled, they've got 20 people lined up who can just drop everything and come, you know, for an orchestra like LA anyway. But in this case, it took some doing. It seemed like everybody was engaged. I guess it's, you know, it's not like it's the summer where... Plans are Lucy Goosey. I think all the conductors had stuff going on in October. So,
1: yeah. In fact, I think a few times it's worked out great. I can't remember who it was who canceled, but Jaap Van Sweden was able to come in. Was that in Chicago?
0: That was in Chicago. He interrupted his honeymoon, as I recall. He came back from Hawaii early, and he was all bronzed and
1: right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that was the first time we'd seen him and we thought he was great and it was, it was really fun having him conduct.
0: Yeah. So you never know what you're going to get. Um, and just for the curious for this coming week, it's, uh, turned out that the, one of the so-called Dudamel fellows, we have several that rotate throughout the season. Um, Paolo (laughs) Bortellamay. I'm (laughs) laughing at myself, stumbling over his name because when, when I ask him to say his own name, he says it so fast that I can't, make enough sense of it. So I'll have to get him to record it, but it's uh, spelled Bortolomeoli, but it does not sound like five syllables when I hear him pronounce his own name. Right, you got to so, practice. I know I I need some practice, but Paolo is going to um, take over next week. So we're grateful for that. The program has changed. Um, it was going to be Bruckner's fourth symphony. Now Beethoven's fifth. Then we've what we've added a soloist, Jean-Yves Thibaudet. Mm-hmm. Has a home here in the LA area. Yeah,
1: it's kind of amazing he was available.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's because because he does live here part-time and he's he's a player. He's always got something up his sleeve, so we're doing a Sensons. And
1: have you have you ever heard this piece?
0: No. a this particular Sensons concerto never, as far as I know. And his
1: Fifth Fifth Piano Concerto, which yeah. Oh, wow. Didn't know he wrote
0: you We'll know, see. <laughs> I didn't
1: know he wrote <laughs> five of them, or maybe he wrote like ten, but...
0: Well, I mean, we're surprised he wrote three violin concertos, because everybody plays number three, and we're always like, what do the first two sound like? <laughs> um.
1: Well, I mean, you know, some people know what the first one sounds like.
0: Oh, that's right, because it was performed this summer at the Hollywood Bowl. By your stand Our, partner. Yep. Yeah, my, my stand partner. My actual stand partner for... For most <laughs> of your life. And we're keeping... A newish piece that's a vehicle for our principal flute. He's the soloist for the oh uh,
1: yeah, and there's also a soprano.
0: Okay, so we'll talk about why programs change, why certain things stay the same, and we're also going to tell one of the best examples of this kind of thing from our experience when when a music director cancels and very unexpectedly, and that's from our time in Chicago. So let's start that story, um, because I was actually not around for all of this. This happened in late 2010 in Chicago, right? Or early 2011? It happened in early
1: 2011 when you were on tour with the LA Phil.
0: Right. So I had just won the job in LA, and in order to sort of jumpstart the process, I joined the LA Phil for a tour before I officially started. So I came out to LA, I think, for two weeks preparation or one week preparation and then did a European tour. And while I was on that tour, I remember I called you from Budapest. It was late at night in Budapest, but I knew it wouldn't be a uh, past your bedtime in Chicago. And I was just telling you how things were going. And you said, wow, uh, you will never believe what. Well, just no, I think here. what happened
1: was I called you knowing you probably weren't going to pick up the phone and I left you a hysterical message. Oh, is that <laughs> right it? after it happened? Cause I was like, I, I was you know, in, a, in a real tizzy about it and All right. so what it had just happened was we, we had been rehearsing Shostakovich Fifth Symphony and it was the end of the slow movement
0: and who was conducting
1: and it was um, Ricardo Muti was conducting and I still remember I think it was rehearsal number 95 <laughs> in that movement and um, I don't think I'll ever forget sort of what it was like to look at the music and then look up and see that he he just looked really strange and his arms were sort of half up, but he wasn't really moving anymore. And then, yeah, he, then he just pitched forward on, you know, off the, well, off the podium, I guess, and face forward into the floor. And, uh, that when people started screaming and, you know, some people were shouting, you know, about calling 911 and other people shouting about keeping calm. And it was sort of,
0: that's always good, shouting about yeah. a calm. call.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a, I, I, I fortunately have not been in a lot of semi-crisis situations in my life, but it was, it was interesting to see how everyone reacted in this particular scenario. And um, there was that feeling that he may have just died, you know. I mean, I think maybe, you know, I think we figured out pretty quickly he was still breathing, so that was... That was good, but you know, a few moments of doubt, obviously. Um, and it was scary, you know. And we, I, my instinct was to just, I, I knew we just had to get off the stage because there would be plenty of emergency people, medical people there. And there's, I being neither of those, and of, <laughs> you know, I was just going to be in the way. So that's when I ran off stage and, and I was just kind of like, what do I do? You know, like I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really have anything to do with this so but I still feel really really you know upset about it kind of and so I right so and, I and called and you I left you that message where I was like Ricardo Muti just you know face planted at the stage and we don't know if he's alive or not and
0: yeah and it's it you know it really takes you out of your place because we go to work and you know we're thinking about the music we're thinking about our colleagues we're thinking about day-to-day stuff or whatever but we're pretty much programmed. (laughs) If we go in for a 10 o'clock, we're done at 1230 or whatever it is. And it's not like we ever just sometimes leave at 11 or sometimes leave at 1130 or something like that. And we're, we're, we're there and that's part of the day. And then something like that happens. That's real, you know, that's real life. And that's what takes up all your mental energy. And then at a certain point, you just, like you said, you're like, well, what, (laughs) what's, What's my purpose here? What am I really doing? Nobody's making music. Should we just do we pack up and go home? And then, then you start thinking, are we going to play this program? What's going to happen? Because that was actually a big week, wasn't it? Was it the it was the gala week? Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. And then what was the rest of the program?
1: Um, Beethoven violin concerto and I that forget what Anne the overture Sophie was. Sophie Mutter. Yeah. And that was great because, you know, it was the first time I had ever seen her in person. Oh, and that was. I was, was really huh? looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: And you hadn't rehearsed with her yet.
1: I forget. I forget. Uh, but she is, she was great. She is great. And um, yeah, it was a real treat to hear her play in person. You know, she's such a legend. And it's weird to think it took all that time for me to, to, to actually hear her live.
0: And at this point, when was the concert? How many days?
1: Hence? I think it was that night.
0: The concert was going to be that and the night. The concert was that night. Okay. It was that so, night. So, and you know, you neither of us was part of the administration there or anything, so we weren't privy to all the discussions. But we're talking about they need to, if they're going to find another conductor and if the show is going to go on, it's got to be, you know, in about six hours' time, or realistically, they've got to find someone in the next hour or two, and they've got to be local. They're, they can't. Fly anyone in.
1: In the end, what ended up happening was, we and we're went- going to
0: break up this story a little bit, aren't we, to to entice people to listen to to this entire episode. Right, you're not going to spill all the beans right ah, now. Ah, right. That so was that was my. Scheme. I'm going to
1: make you wait to hear what the solution was because you're undoubtedly just sitting <laughs> on the edge of your seat. Just tell me what happened. I just, I
0: just want to remind you. You know how we're going to dole this out. All right. I... But you know that basically that's the situation. Our orchestra has found itself in this week, and we've gone ahead and told you what the solution was there. But Because I remember when that happened, a lot of people, their first reaction was, well, okay, so what? I mean, this is the Chicago Symphony. You don't even need a conductor, right? I just read a book. In fact, it was largely on violin playing. But one of the things that the author said was, if everybody had a sound musical mind, then orchestras would never need conductors, and we could just... You know, go about our business without. The <clears throat> Just answered inmates. your own
1: question there. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm always in awe of chamber orchestras. I really am. And you played in one for a while. I mean, I don't even like that. You know, it must be so much more work, but in the end, it must the product must be that much more solid and satisfying to to produce.
0: Well, and you're ta- you know you're talking about St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, which was my first job for two seasons, and back then because I joined in 2000 and played there for 2 years. Back then we only did a couple weeks a year that were truly without conductor. And those were really tough weeks. Um yeah, it's definitely rewarding, but it's hard work and it's still not a true democracy, you know. Um
1: Well, it couldn't really be, I mean, but but everyone is supposed to sort of contribute even like not just playing wise, but even in rehearsals like people pipe up right and they Ideas yeah, ideas or
0: yeah uh, but then it goes into the realm see then one of the nice things right about having a dictator uh conductor up there is that nobody feels like their uh everybody feels like their opinion is equally valid which is to say totally meaningless um <laughs> when you open it up and, and say oh well ev- everybody's free to give their input but we've got you know, 90 minutes worth of music to put together in four rehearsals, so keep it short and snappy and don't speak up unless you've got something important to say, then what basically ends up happening is that the important people, or at least the people who think they're important, end up running the show. And that can leave a lot of members of the orchestra feeling more disaffected than they would just under a conductor because then it's like, oh, well... Hmm. Last week, we had a conductor, and at least I knew where I stood, and we were all (laughs) working collectively to to try and do what the conductor (laughs) wanted, and and we had one purpose, but this past week, I felt like, you know, I was supposed to have my chance to contribute, but nobody was interested in what I had to say, and so I felt even worse than than usual. Yeah. I remember remember that.
1: Oh, terrible.
0: You know, that sentiment, hearing that from some people. I, I was a principal player, principal second, so while I had some important things to contribute, I still didn't feel like I was totally free to just play the way I wanted. So it was uh, it was a really interesting process. And as you said, when things worked well, I felt a greater sense of pride, like I made this happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, and we certainly have, but, you know, close friends who, Ken Olson, who plays in Echo.
0: Right, in, East Coast you know, Chamber Orchestra.
1: And he plays in the Chicago Symphony and he he really, really looks forward to those those weeks when he gets to be in chamber orchestra, not in a symphony orchestra. So
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that particular group, that's a group of friends that are of similar age. And, you know, that's a little bit different from a group that's been put together over bit. decades. Sure. And, you know, I'm sure there were some folks who are closer to my age now in their 40s or 50s or 60s who... Back then, in Saint Paul, didn't love a twenty something, you know, telling them how a phrase should be shaped. So
1: now you're that person. You're that. Now
0: I can. Yeah, you're the crusty old guy. Where's my twenty something person to beat up on? Um, No names. So it's yeah. I mean that would you know at that point. Let going back to the Chicago story with only a few short hours and until the concert that that was one. Am
1: I am I allowed to option. start revealing more of the outcome here? Or?
0: Well, <clears throat> not yet cuz l- l- let's All go right. let's flash forward now to the present day in LA because here they had a little more time to work with. You know, I think they got the cancellation with several days to work with. That that just multiplies your options exponentially cuz you can start calling people who aren't local. Right. You know, if the repertoire is standard enough they can consider keeping the program intact so you could call somebody in new york and say all right we need you here in three days Um, could you be ready with this program so it becomes a game of who you're talking about you know what becomes more important the program or the conductor and at that point the tickets are basically sold or not so it's not like you you don't have to have a huge name but you'd need someone obviously who can step right in and get the job done and you know in that sense you know it's great that Paolo can come in because he's I mean he's spent so much time with this orchestra not always on the podium although some on the on the podium for various new music and children's programs but he's and been, by
1: that you mean he's been the cover conductor for, yeah. for lots and lots of weeks
0: oh yeah I mean all told he's been in the hall. For probably fifty rehearsals, and and nearly as many performances. I just worked with him in a sectional for the Colburn Conservatory, where he was conducting all the strings, and I was playing in the section. Oh,
1: you worked. Um, you just worked with him for the Green Umbrella concert, yeah. Too.
0: And I, I just was a soloist for a, a new music piece with lots of uh, <laughs> lots of twists and turns, and click tracks, and laughing, and head they motions, literal
1: twists and turns.
0: Your yeah. head. So, you know, he's gonna be great and it's uh I believe that he had to get out of a prior engagement in order to to cover this next week. But nevertheless, we did change the program. You know, that must have been because Bruckner Fourth Symphony was not right at the ends of his fingertips, and if that was the case, then you know, he was smart and the orchestra was smart not to insist on it, because it's a big deal to lead an orchestra and you've got to do it in repertoire that, that, you know, is going to bring everyone together.
1: I mean, they're also, I think the fact that the, the Oliver Knussen piece is like undoubtedly unfamiliar. So given that, I think that they wanted to make the rest of the program something. And I, I don't know. Of course, I don't know if the San piano concerto is something he knows, but, um, but definitely the Knesset would be something. Right. And be, we had to keep that. We had to keep it because we'd already hired soloists. Yeah. So, yeah. So given that um, they've gone with Beethoven 5 instead of the Bruckner, um, which apparently, <laughs> according to a screenshot sent to us by a, our good friend and colleague in the orchestra, it seems as if social media is reflecting not altogether happy responses to the, to the swap and, and programming.
0: Well, there will always be uh there'll always be audience members who uh want to make their feelings known about switches. Well you remember once in Chicago when Well, <laughs> I that? I wasn't
1: there for this, but yeah.
0: Oh, you, you already know what I'm gonna say with yeah. the day that Reagan died. Yeah. I still can't believe this. Our president came out and before the concert and, and I think this repertoire had been switched months before or something, but what was It, it originally it was supposed to have been Mahler. 10th symphony, I think the reconstruction of Mahler 10th symphony and, but months before it had been switched to something else. And so before the concert started, our president at the time came out and said, you know, in, in remembrance of former president Reagan, we'd like to have a minute of silence before this concert. And so as she was standing there and every, you know, all of us on stage were closing our eyes or doing whatever it is we do during the moment of silence and some angry voice rings out from the hall. You should be playing Mahler 10th Symphony, as you promised. And then there's some boo. Shh. Obviously ruined the moment. But
1: Wait, so what did you play instead of Mahler 10?
0: Oh, I, I can't remember what it was. It could have been Beethoven 5 or anything. I mean... Huh. <laughs> this does seem weird. Some folks aren't happy that, you know, they really wanted to hear Bruckner 4. And I I understand Bruckner
1: that. I, I don't know what the appropriate response is. To, I mean, I think, you know... I can I can certainly understand
0: well, disappointment. we thought about that when we go to the theater, for example. You know, we buy a ticket months in advance because, uh, yeah, Jeremy Irons is going to be playing the role of whoever. And, you know, I'm sure, if we had gotten there and they said, oh, yeah, he's not feeling well, it's going to be some guy you've never heard of. I mean, even if that guy was great, we'd be really disappointed. And
1: Right. But what if, like, yeah, I mean, it's more like... You know, it was going to be, you know, a long day's journey into night. Instead, you end up seeing—I don't know—I'm um, not well acquainted enough with like the theatrical canon, but like well, what's <laughs> what's like a more straight ahead. Sort so, in of- other
0: words, you're you're saying they you keep the stars, but they just change the play. Yeah, right. I—I I guess. Well, I guess in this case, on-
1: technically, they swapped out. I mean. And, and this, this person
0: wasn't angry that they weren't seeing Daniel Harding. No,
1: there's probably people who are sad they're not seeing Daniel Harding.
0: I'm sad we're not seeing him.
1: I think he is someone people look forward to seeing at work for sure. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's really unfortunate he's not coming. So, I don't know. It's possible people were had their hearts set on him.
0: And as far as the concerto and adding jean I imagine they came to Jean-Yves wondering, first of all, are you in town? Are you available? Um, Because he's someone that we've worked with so often and so successfully. And at that point, he likely would have said, here are the things that I'm playing right now. Or maybe (laughs) if you want me for next week, it has to be this piece because I'm playing it, you know, somewhere else next week. Or I just finished playing it and this is what I have ready. May not have been much negotiation with that. Yeah. They may have just known if we have a chance to get John eve we're going to play whatever he's playing.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that they were beyond relieved that he was available. Not, you know, and I think partially cuz um Paolo is not yet someone that you know is widely recognized by the concertgoers, so I think that you know if, if they had an unknown soloist also, I think that would have been more risk than the administration wanted to take. So
0: Yeah, I mean this way they get to keep you know, the the solo piece for our principal flutist, they get a named soloist, and they get a piece that, you know, nobody can argue with, Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah, some and, people are
1: arguing with it, but yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> As a, I remember being a teenager and meeting some members of the Cleveland Orchestra, and one of the oldest, who had gone through the concentration camps and had every right to be bitter, he said, you know, the day that you don't <laughs> want to play Beethoven's Fifth anymore, and that's when you... Put down the violin and (laughs) go somewhere to die quietly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. We haven't played it. We had not played it in a long time.
0: I think last time may have been with uh, Jaap van Sweden actually. Really? Well, because he he did the program of Beethoven 5 and Shostakovich 5. Two pieces that we've already talked about in this podcast. Okay, interesting. That was the Um, week that he was uh, announced in New York, actually.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the way he did it, it really made it seem really uh, revitalized.
0: Well, the orchestras need that, you know. Now when we play it, we can look back on that week and say, you know, that week with Beethoven 5 really brought us together and we're going to want to play our best for Paolo. I know that's going to bring us together. Um, yeah. So it, it should be an interesting week. And maybe now you should uh, tell a little bit more about what happened next in, in Chicago.
1: Well, so you may have guessed, but the ultimate solution was that we did it without a conductor.
0: Now did and you get to rehearse this.
1: That...
0: You can't remember? I
1: think we. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember that at the concert.
0: Yeah, I think you may not have gotten to rehearse it.
1: Po- no, I don't think we did because I remember that um, the concertmaster was called in to talk to her so that they could figure out a game plan for.
0: This is a muter.
1: Yes, so that they could get talk about how they were going to come together to to get the orchestra through the concerto without a um, conductor. So. And is so funny that's that
0: because, I mean, the Beethoven violin concerto is something that everybody would have played a you know, hundred times. Really, well,
1: first of all, I, I we mean with... I don't think so. Honestly, it's not done that often. I mean, it, it's not at all unfamiliar, but I, you'd be surprised. You, you think that, you know, especially as a violinist, I was surprised that I was so unfamiliar with <clears throat> some of the crucial moments at which the orchestra has to change chords.
0: Or <laughs> oh, I mean, I totally believe that and uh, my point was kind of even for a piece that that you know it's like you you know it you can sing it you can play it but when it comes to actually entering after you know a solo line you entering exactly in the right place the right bar with no conductor
1: yeah you know even a little hesitation on anybody's part makes everybody start to sort of doubt themselves and so you know know, i'll say the winds and brass even more so they know it they they've heard it of course they've played it but when it comes to having to sort of get through it without you know the conductor for the first time you know it was it was kind of funny because the second movement in particular and the whole thing was a little bit tough and it was tough to keep the tempo going I remember that was the hardest thing I kept wanting to slow down and she kept trying to you know, get us to play faster, but it's a lot of people on stage in the end. And sad to say, we're not always used to responding when we don't see someone standing up there well, on the I mean, podium. Never. It's right, we're not. Never. We're definitely not used to it, and dare say we weren't great at it. But um, but yeah, the second movement was the biggest challenge. I would not have told you that I thought the slow movement of the concerto, but in the end, it's a lot of chord changes that happen as a group behind the soloist. And she's busy doing her thing. she can't you know <clears throat> be concerned with whether or not we're we're changing in the right beat and somehow we we had tremendous trouble finding each other and and changing together and there's a lot of waiting around for someone else to change first and then changing <laughs>
0: um and I forget with her she may not be someone who has done a ton of... Really? I thought she had. Thinking the... about
1: it, I thought she'd led chamber oh, orchestras okay. quite a bit. I mean, she, didn't she... Well, I guess when she toured with Curtis, that was with
0: Previn That was conducting. with Previn before they were married.
1: I mean, I, I I would be surprised. I mean, I feel like almost every European soloist has at least some experience leading chamber orchestras playing, you know. But then it's probably usually like Vivaldi or like, you know, Mozart even, but I probably hardly <laughs> ever something... Bigger, but maybe I'm wrong, but Beethoven was on the larger side, I think to to handle all those people and play, you know, especially I mean especially with no rehearsal, obviously that the big problem was that we had no advance notice for this, so yeah, we you yeah, we muddled along, and
0: the thing is like it must have been so exciting though
1: no I mean, no, we were still kind of unsettled by the whole thing, I think and you know and and then on top of it, to sort of feel like we were putting out something that was less than optimal for the gala concert wasn't the best feeling either this was the gala
0: audience though too they were half in the bag
1: hopefully maybe they handed out like extra shots of bourbon before the concert do they drink (laughs) bourbon in chicago (laughs) they probably drink
0: bourbon everywhere now but
1: bottles of lager um (laughs) um so yeah you know we got through it but it was and then and you know i don't remember what happened for the symphony there's no way that we played. maybe we well, had
0: there had been apparently the week before you had played a mozart symphony uh, an earlier mozart symphony with maybe conductor that's... maybe with muti even
1: maybe we replaced and the they just Schallster brought Irish. that one back okay to that do sounds without right. conductor that sounds right okay but the worst thing was the second movement of the beethoven concerto yes yeah, <laughs> it's so strange else is that like
0: whatever you know a full symphony you know you would think wow you surely you'd need a conductor for that um whereas the concerto there's clearly a leader up there and you know i know this to be true because i could i've been in that situation um but yeah that concerto would be super yeah. tough
1: and whenever we play it now i still laugh thinking like, it's like such a different experience with someone <laughs> waving their arms around in case lest you think they don't do anything wrong
0: <laughs> yeah yeah those <laughs> conductors do come in handy they once have in a, a while job. well I, I remember a, a new music Program that we were rehearsing here in LA once, and um, you know, it was it was quite a complex piece, and I, I think therefore we had a decent amount of time devoted to it, maybe three rehearsals or something like that. And so we started the first rehearsal, and this was a Dutch piece and a Dutch conductor. And from, I wasn't quite picking up on what he was saying at first, but after about half an hour's worth of rehearsal. I realized that he had been making all these comments along the lines of well you'll you'll need to know this later when I'm not here, and it became clear finally that he didn't intend to conduct this in the performance he He felt that he was there to lead the rehearsals, but that we'd play it without a conductor because he'd seen it done somewhere but with much much more rehearsal, and so i you know I was nominated to be the one to say, uh, look, we can't <laughs> this is not like a Shades of gray here. I mean, we—if we're going to do this in these three rehearsals, you must conduct it, and we have to plan all our work around that fact. So he begrudgingly accepted, and and it was great. I mean, I, I'm not—I don't know what that piece would have gained not having him there. Obviously, over the long term, an orchestra like Orpheus or Saint Luke's or whatever it might be that that plays without a conductor regularly or saint paul now you know there there's so much to be gained there if you have the time to to work those things out but that won't be the case for us this week um what do you expect with a conductor that we've never played with before playing a piece like beethoven five but we
1: have played with him.
0: well but not for a Sort of a subscription a meat no, and potatoes. Oh, but we just let, like
1: kids concerts. on the- I mean, I don't, th- it's not like we never saw them before. I think it'll be.
0: No, but this is, this will be, f- you know, for repertoire that, in talking about Beethoven anyway, that people have played no. a million times. Oh, you times. mean like, are
1: we going to like try to just bulldoze him through it?
0: Yeah. I mean, what's. Probably. What's your thought? <laughs>
1: That's my, that is my thought. I, you know, I hate to say it, and, but our instinct is going to be to play it <sighs> the way we
0: play it. You know, this is a big chance for him too to to really do things the way he likes as well. I mean, if if you were him, how would you play it? Would you put your own stamp on things? But
1: and how do I think he's going to play it, or how do I think? he No, no, I mean, how would you it.
0: like? Uh, how let's say you're you're called in last minute and specifically for a piece like Beethoven Five, where and let's assume that which I think he does. I think he has the orchestra behind him, because they know he's coming in last minute.
1: If I were him, and I hope this doesn't come across, you know, as cynical orchestra hack talk, although probably, you know, is, but yeah, I mean, I think the smartest thing would be to have a few, you know, suggestions, but if he does, if he tries to do some kind of like sweeping overhaul or some kind of, you know, new and innovative approach to Beethoven five, I, my instinct is that that, will not go well from an orchestra conductor relations standpoint
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean i think anyone in his position has to pick their battles i guess choose the things they're gonna
1: and that's you know that maybe that's kind of glib i mean if if he were to be like yap van sweden come in yap van sweden when he came in and, and you know filled in for whoever that was in chicago i don't remember who it was because he was so great yeah, if that's the case. It's not as if I'm always thinking, who's this clown and let's, you know, let's try to just lead him around by the nose and then, you know, best case scenario, get out early, you know. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> that that's in the back Orchestra of everybody's high. minds. <laughs> but, you know, there are people who transcend that for sure. And so it's not to say that it it couldn't happen. It could happen. You know, I think it could be, if if he's the kind of personality that's just like, that charismatic, you know, and that that powerful, that effective, then um, then yeah, I mean, I think amazing things can happen in a week where you know it was supposed to be something completely different. So, well, I think happened. he'll
0: have a little extra window of time. Let's say, I mean, isn't it often the case that when when someone new comes in, and it's a regular week, um, they've got just a few minutes before the orchestra sort of decides, all right, you know, we're not getting anything. Maybe he'll have some more cushion there because uh, we're all in in this together, basically. New program, unexpected changes. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to yeah to see how the I feel like the, in the next podcast goes.
1: we should discuss how it went. <laughs> yeah, what direction it took. I think it'll be one of those two. It'll be either like you know surprising and magical, or it'll be <laughs> the kind of thing where the substitute teacher came in and we beat up on them.
0: Oh, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, we will know uh, in just a couple of days' time how this is going to shake out. And, wh- you know, what happened in Chicago once that concert was done? I mean, do you remember going out afterwards? Did you go to the Gage? or?
1: I don't remember anything, but I, I remember Relief, and that was about it.
0: Had you heard at that point that Muti was... We heard he was going to be yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as soon as he got to the hospital, like, they, you know, they ascertained that he hadn't had anything really bad happen. It wasn't a stroke or anything, you know, it was easily remedied heart conditioners. And it was, you know, so he was going to be totally fine. And, uh, and they were sure to tell us that his, his face was going to be better than ever restored (laughs) to its, to its, you know, original glory. So he did cancel another time. That wasn't the only cancellation we had. Was that right? Um, And it was when we were supposed to, play on tv right
0: oh that's right and so that's when Boulez came
1: yeah and he and we did Mahler 7 and that was great
0: right and that was a fortunate case too where I mean Boulez is someone that was practically the orchestras I mean he may have even been principal guest at that point but not only had he conducted that piece a billion times but he spent decades with that orchestra too so that was kind of a no-brainer they're very different tv personalities should be clear on that yeah but that really worked out
1: it did yeah and for some reason i remember the broadcast didn't somebody tell you that you looked like uninvolved or something
0: well yeah they did and i, I did look terrible and i declared from after seeing myself oh, on it was TV that broadcast that concert, that you saw because,
1: yourself and
0: yeah i looked terrible i was slouching and <laughs> i just thought and this is ridiculous i'm gonna oh my really? back is not gonna touch i don't
1: remember that making like chair. a turning point for you okay
0: yeah, we were all sitting at Ken's and watching that. And more than one person made some comment about how I looked like I'd rather be anywhere else. And I remember <laughs> thinking, actually, I love this piece. And I thought I was having a good time there. But I agree, I look terrible. So,
1: Huh. That sounds like there was like a moral component to it. but
0: Well, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing that we have gotten a lot more aware of. I think being out in L.A. to being on camera and on screen a lot more.
1: Sure. Well, they, mm-hmm. they've always told us at the bowl since they installed the Jumbotron screens. that Well, Ken, Ken Olsen, since we've been talking about him, told me that I should consider dyeing my hair again and <laughs> that we should all wear more makeup.
0: <laughs> not me. I'm,
1: well, even yeah. you, you know, maybe you could.
0: Well, but I think, you know, not just from a guilty perspective, but I, I think we acknowledge now maybe more than we did in Chicago, how important the... The visual the performance aspect is yeah to the well, whole disney, experience you know, it,
1: you know i used to joke about this but disney hall um I, I, it's built so that even the furthest away seats are really not that far so um and the closest seats are quite close so you know there's no there's no boxes so it's not like people are kind of everyone's close together and having this shared experience and so i think you know, you just feel exposed sometimes playing-wise and, you know, appearance-wise, so.
0: Well, and speaking of the audience, are are they going to be pulling for us extra hard knowing that we've uh, made this switch? Nah. No? Well, I mean, take the theater example. They know that
1: we know Beethoven 5. It's not like...
0: I know, but people all, you know, we know that people wonder about um, the impact that a conductor makes on the performance. Won't they be wondering how is this Beethoven five going to be different from it sounds like the, the Seder questions.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know that the average, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel that the average audience member is super attuned to, to how we'd play like a, you know, really well-worn classic like that, even slightly different, but I, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably wrong about that. I'm always hearing opinions on how conductors influenced us or didn't. I'm sure they'll be curious to see, what his what his connection with us is in the concert and and very curious what we think of him probably people want to ask us
0: well maybe we can get him to talk about it
1: yeah i mean it's it's always it's always fun to get their conductor's pr- perspective right because we're it's it's obviously it's different but it's it's really different you know they're they got a tough job up there especially especially on a couple days notice so.
0: yeah well i'll be looking forward to this week i, I also look forward to one more day off We didn't play today And we We don't play tomorrow Although you and I Have to put together A duo program For Saturday
1: That's right So gotta Chop start. chop That's where we Stand partners on Saturday Yeah Actually no We'll, we'll use different stands <laughs>
0: Yeah I think that Vinyowski has like Aww. Eight pages per
1: Okay well you better Give it to me <laughs>
0: Well Speaking of Putting things together On short notice yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for being with us for this episode. The show will go on. The show must go on. And um, so we'll see you for the next episode of Stand Partners for Life.